0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, everyone. Ellie here. Another Friday. Thanks again for checking us out. I think one of the things that I can offer that I, I believe is most helpful to you, the audience, based on what I've heard from you, is when I can give you a look under the hood of the prosecutorial strategy and prosecutorial practice. And I think this is one of those weeks. We've been seeing a lot of headlines out of Georgia. And I think if we just sort of stop reading after the top headline, we're not getting the full story. And so this week, what I'm going to do is bring you my prosecutor's experience to dig a little deeper and show you why one of the big headlines that you've been seeing isn't quite correct, especially given some more recent developments. So I hope you find this interesting and insightful. As always, I do love hearing from you. Please keep sending me your thoughts, questions, comments to letters at cafe.com. All this flipping down in Fulton County is not quite what it seems. Over the past two weeks, District Attorney Fani Willis has reached plea deals with, as of the time of this recording, four of the 19 defendants in her sprawling indictment of Donald Trump and others for their effort to steal the 2020 election. That number could change. By the time you hear that, we have been seeing these pleas come in quickly and sometimes unexpectedly, but as of this moment, it's four. On the surface, these guilty pleas look like good news for the DA, tangible signs of progress and validation of the case itself. Worse yet, for Donald Trump, all the pled out defendants have agreed to testify. Walls are closing in, right? Maybe not. There's still a lot we don't know, standard disclaimer, but especially relevant here. But when we dig into the available facts, there's reason to question whether the plea deals one, are just and serious outcomes, and two, actually advance the DA's case against Donald Trump. As you can probably sense, I'm skeptical on both of those counts. Let's start with the good news. For Fonnie Willis. In any mega indictment like this one, the prosecutor needs to thin the herd. On an atmospheric level, it's nice for the prosecutor to get a few quick convictions under her belt. And as a practical matter, it's a nightmare to get through the discovery process, pretrial motions, and then trial with 19 defendants. So if the DA's staff went out for a celebratory beer after they landed these early pleas, I won't object. Cheers. But now let's dig in a bit. What exactly has the DA achieved here? First. And inarguably, the plea deals struck by the DA thus far have been jaw-droppingly lenient. There's no other way to put it. When Willis first unveiled her case after years of suggestive media appearances, political self-promotion, and fundraising around the ongoing investigation, she hailed the indictment as no less than a vindication of democracy itself. The centerpiece of the case was a purportedly devastating racketeering charge, which carries a five-year mandatory prison sentence in Georgia, tying all 19 defendants into one massive, Trump-led, mob-like criminal organization whose purpose was to steal the 2020 election. Big stuff, allegedly. So far, four defendants have pled guilty. Again, that number could change. But as of this moment, four defendants have pled guilty. None of them have pled guilty to RICO, to racketeering. Zero. None of them have admitted that the much-hyped racketeering enterprise existed or that they were part of it. Two have pled to low-level felonies, which under Georgia law will eventually be erased from their records, while two others have pled to misdemeanors. Nobody will serve a day behind bars. It's all probation and small-time fines. I can hear your response. But prosecutors often give lenient plea agreements to obtain valuable insider testimony from cooperators. That is absolutely correct. I can tell you're a regular listener of this podcast. Your impressive knowledge shines through. Indeed, as a prosecutor, I gave some very bad folks some very sweet deals to obtain some very valuable testimony. I'm no pearl clutcher here. It's a business transaction. I get it, I've done it, and it works. But it only works if it's done right. And by all appearances, Willis is not doing it right. To put it another way, The D.A. has structured these deals to give away the cases for bargain basement prices without ensuring that she secures useful and usable testimony. Let's illustrate the point with Sidney Powell, the former federal prosecutor and Trump advisor who endlessly spewed nonsense election fraud conspiracy theories involving Hugo Chavez. George Soros, and voting machines that flip votes from Trump to Biden. The DA originally charged Powell with the big racketeering charge, plus six other felonies for improperly accessing voting machines in Coffee County. But under her plea deal, Powell pled guilty only to six lowly misdemeanors, misdemeanors relating to the Coffee County breach. The agreed upon sentence, six years probation, $8,700 in fines and restitution, and an apology letter. This, by the way, is silly showmanship. A defendant apologizes by accepting responsibility and pleading guilty, not by completing a petty elementary school-style punishment. I think we can all agree that in a vacuum, this is a terrible, indefensible deal for the DA to give the case away for probation and misdemeanors. But of course, Willis's defenders will note that there's a catch. Powell's deal requires her to testify, and that changes the calculus. But the problem is that Powell's cooperation is only worth a damn if it compels her to tell the full truth. If the plea deal permits her to get away with only admitting part of the story, then it's useless. So let's illustrate the point. There are two scenarios when it comes to Sidney Powell's potential testimony. First, good Sidney Powell. Yes, I was part of the effort to breach the voting machines in Coffee County. I pled guilty to six misdemeanors for doing that. And I admit that my claims of 2020 election fraud were untrue, I knew it and we all knew it. Those election fraud lies were part of a larger effort that Trump and Rudy and I and others cooked up to try to steal the election. Now, bad Sidney Powell. Same beginning, by the way. Bad Sidney Powell. Yes, I was part of the effort to breach the voting machines in Coffee County. I pled guilty to six misdemeanors for doing just that. But I stand by my claims that the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump. I believed it at the time, and I believe it now. I advised Trump accordingly, and he was right to listen to me. Now, when the Powell plea deal was first announced by the DA, we didn't know which version we'd get. Good Sydney would be a game changer for prosecutors, a devastating witness against Trump. Bad Sydney would be useless or worse. If anything, her testimony would support Trump's defense that he relied in good faith on his advisors, and he believed he was acting within his rights to contest a disputed election based on evidence of fraud. Well, now we know which Sidney Powell has emerged, and yeah, it's the bad one. Since taking her plea deal, Sidney Powell has continued to post false claims about 2020 election fraud on her Twitter or X feed, and she has publicly claimed she was, quote, extorted by the DA. She's not on board. She's not a viable cooperator in any meaningful sense of the term. She grabbed the cheese, the lenient plea deal, right out from under the mousetrap, and it was never even capable of snapping shut on her in the first place. Powell got all the benefit, a soft plea deal without the downside. Sidney Powell played the DA. And I'm sorry if you don't like to hear that. That's a fact. So what should Willis have done differently? The D.A. botched the deal when she allowed Powell to plead to some of her conduct, the Coffee County breach, but not the overall effort to steal the election. The RICO charge that left the door open for Powell to have it both ways. Yeah, sure. I tapped into the balloting machines, but there was never any broad conspiracy to steal the election. And everything else I did was legit. Now, this is why the federal all or nothing model for cooperation is so much more effective. An aspiring cooperator must plead guilty to every crime he's committed The more serious the crime, the more essential that he accept responsibility for it. So here, Sidney Powell should have been made to plead to the RICO charge plus the others. That would have left her with no wiggle room to deny responsibility for the larger effort to steal the election through fraud. Maybe Powell would have agreed to such a deal, or maybe she'd have rejected it and walked away. In that case, fine take her to trial. That's preferable to letting her off the hook with a spate of probation misdemeanors and no realistic prospect of obtaining helpful testimony. Now, the circumstances certainly might differ for Kenneth Chesbro or Jenna Ellis, both of whom also received soft, no prison plea deals in exchange for an agreement to testify. We don't fully know at this point. Maybe one or more of them will come clean and land a blow directly against Trump. But those same structural weaknesses that infected the Powell deal also apply to the others as well. They've all pled guilty to scraps with meager punishments attached, and none of them have pled to Rico. Any one of these other defendants can follow Powell's path without repercussions. The DA is left mostly to rely on their good faith, and that's not a great place to be as a prosecutor. So we need to be careful when we say that somebody has flipped. Merely pleading guilty to reduce charges with an agreement to testify if called, that doesn't do the trick on its own. Halfway cooperation simply doesn't work. Willis has scored a temporary PR victory of sorts here, but it's doubtful these deals will play well in the long run. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay informed.